Good morning, everyone. This is your host, Thomas Belcher, missionary to the U.S. Territory of Guam. As always, it is a blessing to be here with you guys today, especially as we get back into our Bible study of the book of Romans, uh, Romans chapter 11 today, if you're able to turn with me uh, to the chapter and follow follow along as I read, that would be fantastic. But today we have a bit of a longer Bible study today as we have split up the chapter 11 of the book of Romans into five different areas, starting with verse 1 through 10. Uh, uh, verses 1 through 10, we'll go ahead and start reading. I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. What ye not what the scripture saith of Elias, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets, and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself seven thousand men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Even so, then at this present time also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no more of works, otherwise grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace, otherwise work is no more work. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear, unto this day. And David saith, Let their table be made a snare, and a trap, and a stumbling block, and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened, that they may not see, and bow down their back alway. Here in this, at the beginning of the chapter, point number one, verse one through ten, we see that God is not done with his children, his children being the, the nation of Israel. Um, back in the Old Testament, God made a covenant with Abraham, known as the Abrahamic Covenant, in which case he promised that the children of Abraham were going to be his children, the chosen people of God. And that that was eventually going to lead to the Savior, Jesus Christ, arriving to the world. Uh, he fulfilled that promise. Uh, Jesus was born a Jew, came through Israel. But a, a common misconception is that God finished the Abrahamic covenant. Uh, the Abrahamic covenant has not been finished the nation of Israel still are the children of God and always we and will be God's chosen people. Now, in the early days of the church, uh, the church was kind of getting split into two different segments. Uh, one segment believed that when Christ came, he preached to the Jews and the Jews had their chance. They crucified him, they killed him. So in their minds, the Jews had rejected Christ, and so the gospel needed to go to the Gentiles. Well, you also had, in the early days of the church, Peter's perspective that the Jews were who Christ came to. The Jews needed to hear the gospel first, and that the Jews had special privilege to that. Well, the Jews did hear the gospel first, that's why Jesus came to the Jews, but it was Paul that brought to the point that the Gentiles needed to hear the gospel as well. So it needed to be a middle ground. The gospel was not just for uh, the Jews, it was for everyone. Jesus did not just die on the cross for the nation of Israel. He died on the cross for the entire world and for the sins of every person. And man, I am glad he did because I am not a Jew. I, If the 
if you had to be Jewish to be saved, well, then that would discount, that would uh, cut off quite a few people from entering the gates of heaven. But we see in this chapter that Paul is writing that though, though Jesus Christ is no longer with the people of Israel, uh, God's not done with the nation of Israel. God is not finished with them yet. God's not forgotten his promises with them, and God is promising to continue to use them and to continue to work through them. In verse number one, I say, Then hath God cast away his people? God forbid, for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. Right then and there, that is showing that God has not forgotten Israel. Yes, the gospel is getting out. That is what it's supposed to be about. The The mission of the world is now taking place. Christianity is spreading. The Gentiles are now getting saved and now are now becoming uh, children of God. But God has not forgotten Israel. Israel, the covenant with Israel, is still in place. And that God still remembers, remembers them and that Israel holds a special place in God's heart. Always has, always will. Why do you think when Jesus comes to uh, begin his earthly reign, where is he going to set up his throne? Where is he going to set up his earthly throne? It's going to be in Israel. It's going to be in Jerusalem. That's where he's going to rule from. That's where he's going to rule from. It's not going to be in the United States. It's not going to be in Europe. It's going to be in Israel. So Israel still holds a special place in God's heart. In verse number two, God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. What ye not what the scripture saith of Elias, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets and dig down their altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself seven thousand men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Even so, that and then, at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. There's saved people in Israel. There's people still doing right. There's people that are following Christ. And God has not forgotten the nation of Israel. God's not forgotten them. And he's not done with them. And ever since this was written in the book of Romans by Paul, we've seen God use Israel in great and miraculous ways. Israel has uh, became a country in, I believe, 1948. Uh, became a country again in 1948. Israel has gone through many struggles, many trials, and even now they're preparing to rebuild the temple. Uh, what was it, a couple of weeks ago, I read a report that Israel, uh, the nation of Israel had just bought several uh, red heifers uh, required for the sacrifices. Guess what that means? It means they're getting close. Now, that could still take a couple of years. Could be next year, could be 20 years. I don't know. But they're getting close. God's not finished with them. In fact, if you study in the book of Revelation, the Israel is where is the site of a massive revival during the end times. Tons of people get saved in the nation of Israel. Tons of people do. It's a spot of a national revival. Why? Because God's not done with them. Many Americans—this is a rabbit trail, but I'm going to go ahead and chase this. Many of us Americans— we like to think that God has just kind of chosen us as his chosen people and that we kind of Americanized the gospel. And, you know, God has greatly blessed America. He has shown his blessings and he's used America greatly. 
but the gospel is not an American gospel. It's not it's not just a, a gospel for America or it's not just a gospel for Africa. It's not just a gospel for Europe. It's a gospel for the whole world. The gospel's for everybody. The Bible's for everybody. We're, we're on the same level as everybody else. And I fear that we as, we as American Christians can sometimes think that the world begins and ends at the borders of the United States. When in actuality, we make up a very small portion of the world. Mo the majority of the world lives outside of the United States. We're very small. And that world still needs to hear about Jesus Christ. But God is not done with the nation of Israel. God's not done with them yet. Number two, look with me in verse 11 through 16. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid, but rather through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. Now, if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify thine office. And if by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh and might save some of them, for if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. Point number two, Israel's objection led to the Gentile salvation. Israel's objection led to our salvation. Uh, in verse 11, he says, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid, but rather through their fall... Salvation is coming to the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. Um, the nation of Israel messed up. The Jews messed up. They did. They crucified Jesus and Jesus Christ. They crucified the Savior. The person that they spent thousands of years waiting for, the, uh, the Messiah, the one that was going to lead them to victory and lead them to salvation, they killed. They murdered. They butchered. They messed up. Uh, it was a very grievous sin what they did. But because of what they did, salvation not only went to the children of Israel, but it spread to the Gentile nations as well. See, even in their mistake, God was able to use that to reach the rest of the world and to show the rest of the world his glory and honestly do what God had been wanting the nation of Israel to do since the Old Testament. God wanted the nation of Israel to magnify his glory, to tell the world about him. God didn't just want the nation of Israel to worship him. God wanted the whole world to do that, and he was expecting the nation of Israel to be a witness and to evangelize the world, even in the Old Testament, but even through the Old Testament and to the point now in which Romans 11 takes place, we see that the people of Israel, I guess you could say the followers of Judaism, weren't doing what God wanted them to do. Um, they, they kept to themselves, they kept the, uh, their religion to themselves, they didn't evangelize. They just followed the practices of the law, and that was it. They didn't. They didn't want to tell the rest of the world about Jesus, about God. They didn't want to tell the rest of the world. They saw themselves as the children of Abraham, the promised children of God, 
and that's as far as they wanted to go. You, the same mentality is with many Christians today. It's the same mentality where we get saved and we go to church, we read a Bible, but that's about it. When was the last time we told anybody about Christ? When was the last time we at least invited somebody to church? It's the same mentality. The same thing has been happening for thousands of years. It's nothing new. In no way am I trying to make light of that, but I am just saying that we face the same issues as the children of Israel in the Old Testament and into the New. But Israel's objection here, Israel's objection of the Savior, objection of Jesus Christ, led to salvation for the Gentiles. If it was not for them, uh, think about if they had not killed Christ. Had they accepted Christ and repented right then and there? Now, that is a whole rabbit trail of discussion and whatnot I'm not going to get into. But things would have changed. I wonder what would have happened. But God was able to use the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, which had to happen. He had to die. He had to. To, uh, to forgive us of our sins, He had that blood had to be shed. And so, God used that to reach the Gentile nations. Uh, point number three, let's begin with verse 17. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree, wert graft in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Now wilt say then, the branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Well... Because of unbelief, they were broken off, and thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell, severity, but toward the, thee goodness. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and wert graft contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be graft into their own olive tree? Number three is talking clearly about being graft to God, being graft to as the children of God. Um, graft... Uh, Graphing plants is very interesting. It's a very interesting science um, where you take an outside branch, you you cut one tree um, that is rooted, you make a bit of a slot, and you attach it to there, and you help it to grow and to attach itself. Next thing you know, you create a hybrid plant. Um, you create a larger, healthier plant. That's what's going on here. We as Gentiles have been grafted onto the tree that is the children of God. We've been grafted to God. Um, we, How glorious is that fact to know that you and I are the children of God? Uh, we, were separate, we were separated from him in our unbelief, but then uh, God, who sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross of Calvary for us, uh, made it able for us to be grafted to the plant that is God. Now, there's a few dangers as well 
uh, look with me in verse 20. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off, and thou standest by faith, be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. There were natural branches, i.e., people in the nation of Israel, that turned against God. They murdered his son, Jesus Christ. That's them turning against God. Now, the children of Israel are still his children. That doesn't mean he's not going to, going to take those branches off and craft on new ones. Now, bear in mind, the, I'm not saying there's any exception to the Abrahamic covenant. Nope, that, that covenant is for the nation of Israel in of itself. And there will never be another children of God. That, that The nation of Israel is the only one. What I am saying is that those people... God And God had said, okay, if you won't accept my word, if you won't hear me, the gospel I'm going to make go out to other places. And so the gospel was not just was not only just kept in Israel, it went out all across the whole world. Bear in mind, Israel still did hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, but it wasn't just exclusive to them. It went out everywhere. Uh, point number four, look with me in verse 25. Verse 25. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel, until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be, sa and so all Israel shall be saved, as it, as it is written, there shall come out of Sion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are my, they are enemies for your sakes, but as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. For the gift and calling of God are without repentance. For as ye, ye in times past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief, even so have these also now not believed, that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all. Number four, point number four is talking about God's covenant with Israel, verses 25 through 32. God's covenant with Israel. Um, God's covenant with Israel is not broken. Never was. Um, I imagine that at this point in time in history, people were starting to wonder if the children of Israel were even the children of God anymore for turning away the Messiah. But Paul brings up an interesting point in verse 26. And so all Israel shall be saved. And as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. God's desire is that everyone gets saved, but I imagine that God really wants the children of Israel to get saved. He wants the children of Abraham to get saved, to know him. He doesn't, he, listen, God doesn't want anyone to die and go to hell, but there's a special place in God's heart for the children of Israel. Uh, case in point, as an example, my heart's desire is to see people saved wherever I go. That's, that's what I want to do. I'm, I want to witness to people and see them saved wherever I go. I don't want anyone to go to hell. But I have a very special place in my heart for the people on Guam. A very special heart for them. 
that is they're they're my people. They're they're mine. I'm they're American as well, but they're my people. And I think that that same mentality is what God is talking about right here. God wants everyone to get saved. The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish. What does that mean? That means that God wants everybody to get saved. God expects everyone to get saved. But he's got a special, there's a special place in his heart for the nation of Israel because of that promise he made to Abraham all those years before. And so God wants Israel to be saved. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. Their unbelief murdered Christ. But because of that unbelief, all can have salvation. All can be saved. God gave that salvation to everybody, not just to the children of Israel, but he wants those children of Israel to get saved. I wonder how many times we pray and we thank missionaries to Jews. People that are willing to tell the Jewish people about Christ. I wonder how many times we thank them for their service, because that, 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 they have a, an exceptional, exclusive task on their hands there to tell the nation of Israel, to tell the people of Abraham what they've missed out on. What a task. We ought to thank them for their service. We ought to thank them for what God has called them to do and for being a willing servant to heed that call. Number five, look with me in verse 33. Verse 33, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Verses 33 through 36, simply the conclusion of the chapter, or what I like to call the, uh, the glory of God. This is really just Paul. <laughs> looking at what he's been writing for the past 11 chapters, and this is this is the culmination in the fact that he's just giving glory to God. You start reading the book of Romans, and you start seeing what God has really done. The obvious conclusion to that is that you just give glory to God, because there's really nothing else you can do. You follow God's word, but when you start reading what God has done for you, if you're a Christian, you start reading what God has done for you. You start remembering what he's done for you, and you don't have a heart to give God glory. If you don't have a heart to just say, oh, praise God, then something's wrong there. You got something wrong. Because in verse 36, final verse of the chapter, for of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. He, This is him just praising God. He's shouting hallelujah. I imagine he's trying to do glory laps in his bedroom while he's writing this. He's just so happy about what God has done. If you've never seen a video of somebody do a glory lap or been in church with somebody did them, they're hilarious to watch. They're hilarious. They crack me up every time. But Paul has just gotten to the point that he, he can't do anything else but praise God for what he's done. 
because God has not just worked in Paul's life. Paul has an amazing testimony. Paul was basically, he, he was a mass murderer. He was about the Charles Manson of his day. I would say he's comparable to Hitler, but more or less he's comparable to an SS officer that was in charge of a concentration camp. He's comparable to that. But then God got a hold of him and he got saved. And when he got saved, he got saved. And God not only got him saved, <laughs> you realize God went to him directly. God went to him directly. He, he just showed up directly. By the way, side note, uh, when somebody wants to argue with you, well, why do you believe that your religion is the one to follow when there are so many others? Just bring up the point, because out of all the other religions in the world, uh, my God actually showed up. He actually came to earth. Can't say it, and I can't say that about any of the others. But he showed up, and Paul got saved, and not only did he get saved, God started to use Paul. He started to train him and started to use him, and Paul has seen, Paul really started the ministry of seeing the Gentile people saved. He, he, there were hints of that through the New Testament. You'd see Gentiles get saved here and there, but this was Paul's main ministry. This, he was, he was a trailblazer in this area, and he's seen what God can use. He has seen where he's come from and that he is really a nobody. He, he remembers the murders. I imagine there were times at night where he woke up and he could hear the screams of the people he murdered. And he knows all that, and he still feels guilt about that. He remembers what he's what he's done. Men, women, children, he remembers who he killed. And he has seen how God has forgiven him of that, and God has and God has taken that sin away, and God has used him to tell others about Christ and to spread the gospel through the ancient world. God has used him greatly in that ministry. He remembers that. He's got something to give God glory about. Short glory. But if you start seeing and paying attention to the words that he gives throughout 33 and 36, but verse 36 specifically, for of him and through him and to him are all things. He's not taking any of the credit. Everything is God's. To whom be glory forever. Amen. To whom be glory forever. It, it sounds simple because many of the, it's just a fact in the study of modern day English language, but many of the words we use in the English language today have been watered down. Like the word awesome. You hear everybody use the word awesome. And it could be from, wow, this pop I'm drinking is awesome. Or this, uh, this, this new computer I have is awesome. We've dumbed it down. You realize that the word awesome is used very rarely in the Bible, and when it does, it's used to describe a magnificent, holier, powerful event. Awesome is not just a word that is flung around carelessly. Awesome is a word that is used with purpose. And thus is the case here. He's not using the word awesome 
but for of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. These words are specifically chosen to magnify and give glory to God. Paul knows that. And so verses 33 through 36 is the conclusion. And giving glory, it's talking about the glory of God. Thank you again for joining us today for this episode of Lati Talks. Uh, I always am excited to get into these Bible studies and to see what God has in His Word. It's just amazing to study study the Bible. Study the Bible in general. The main reason a lot of Christians don't have victory in the Christian life, or the main reason there are a lot of different versions of the Bible, the main reason why many Christians can't even quote the, the Bible, is because we don't study it in the first place. And the Bible is the one book on the shelf that will gain more dust than any other book. It's sad that we don't we don't run to this word more often. Well, thank you again for joining us here today. Uh, can't wait to be with you guys again uh, this coming Monday. And uh, God bless you all, and have a great day.